So we're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7. I'm not going to read it all to you because, you know, it's Chronicles. And uh, Chronicles uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, <laughs> I mean, it's just a lot. But I'm going to give you the gist of 2 Chronicles 6 and 7. It narrates King Solomon's prayer of the dedication of the temple, the, the temple he built. And it talks about the divine confirmation of God's presence within that temple by this amazing display of fire and his glory filling the temple. I want you to take, home, take your Bibles home uh, and, and look at that uh, this afternoon and just kind of meditate on that before you go to bed. Think about that. God also warns Solomon. He warns Solomon and the people of Israel that if they turn away from him and worship other gods, he will forsake his temple. And that the rest of the nation will face some pretty severe consequences. Now, we look at that and we go, oh, God's going to punish them. I think we look at it wrong. When God says, do these things or else this is going to happen, the reason why he says that is because he knows that if you go that way, that's going to happen. It's a consequence of an action. It's, it's, an, it's a consequence because of your actions. And so we forget that when we become Christians and when we're believers and we're talking to our friends about Jesus and we're talking and other people are speaking to us about God and other people, you know, you hear stuff online and you, you watch these little snippets of people talking about it. But our actions create consequences. And so if they create, if our actions that are negative create negative consequences, how much more do our actions that are positive create positive? It's, it's, it just makes sense. But we forget that part. And then we get mad at when people are talking about how, well, if you, know, if you treat people with love, and if you do that, then they will continue to do that, and it'll move forward, and we're going, oh, that's just positive thinking. No, it's actions versus consequences. It's simple. But we've put it into positive thinking and all these fancy little things. God is saying, do these things, and you're going to be all right. Do these other things, and you're not going to be all right. That's just the fact. That's the way it is. And we find that all throughout Scripture. We do, and it... And it's, it's almost mind-boggling how much, how much we don't understand our actions. And we also find that, you know, as growing up, you're like, why is God doing these things to me? But yet we never think, what have I done to contribute to the consequences of this problem? Now, there are many times there are things that have happened in your life that are not your fault. They're the actions of other people. That's why Scripture says that you impact others. There's Old Testament Scripture that says the sins of the fathers will be passed down to their children and their children. Your actions will be passed down from you to the next, to the next, to the next. That's how it works. He's not saying if you do this, and this action, this negative action, and I'm upset with you, I'm going to punish you and your kids and their kids, and so on and so on and so on. We're going to just punish all of you because it's just fun. God's like, I want to punish you because of this one. No, he's saying your actions create consequences. And then we go, so then we're doomed. We're doomed because we all make mistakes. We all mess up. Your actions make the consequence but there is a point where you can break through it. It doesn't change the consequences of your action, but it does change the focus. 
And we missed that part. We missed the focus part. Jesus comes into your life partway through where you're making poor decisions, and all of a sudden you go, I'm going to make better decisions. But whoever you've harmed in the past has been harmed. Those consequences could come back and bite you. And they do, and they will. But how you handle them now because of that interjection of Jesus Christ into your life in the Word of the Holy Spirit, you now are able to address it instead of an egotistic type mindset. It's a more collaborative, collective mindset where you are focused on others. You're more forgiving, you're more loving, you're more gracious, just like Jesus Christ. See how it works? It's easy. But why do we have so much trouble with it? Because I think we focus on the wrong things as we move forward. But I digress. We're going to keep moving. God emphasizes the, the importance of repentance in these two uh, chapters, and all throughout Scripture, but specifically today. Uh, emphasizes the importance of repentance and seeking God's face in times of trouble. And we, I've heard pastors say, do you only speak to God when you're in trouble? When you're having struggles? And then they get... They reprimand you for it because you haven't been speaking to him before. Well, I'm here to say that, guess what? If that's the only time, better than nothing. It's better than nothing. But at the same time, you need to prepare yourself for those difficult times. So are you preparing yourself properly for when you do have difficult times and they will come? And if you're not preparing yourself, well, guess what? It's going to make it a lot easier on you if you are praying regularly, if you're in God's Word, when those times come. That's all it's saying. That's all Scripture is saying. Come to Him in times of trouble, yes. But if you've waited so long to speak to that person, Him, for so long, it's going to be even more difficult because you're not as in tune. How many? Yeah, sometimes you have really good friends that you connect or whatever, but you've had a problem with somebody, you don't speak to each other in a really long time, uh, something comes up, they can impact that, but, but you haven't spoken to them, and it's an awkward situation when you meet them again and you try to speak with them. It's just kind of the same with God, except God's not the awkward one. You are. And God goes, just come. Just come speak to me. Come on, let's, let's get this, this going. And you're like, eh, well, you know, I feel kind of weird about everything. And, and you waste so much time on that nonsense that if you were in a relationship on a regular basis, you wouldn't have to worry about that part. Right? This is all just kind of laid out for us, but yet we get in our own head and our self gets in the way and our pride and our ego, as the Apostle Paul speaks about, our time we get in our own way, and that's what ego is. It's ourselves getting in the way of everything else. In this same two chapters, uh, it's explained that if they, they humble themselves, if they pray, if they seek his face in times of trouble. If they turn from their wicked ways, he will hear them from heaven and he will forgive their sins and he will heal their land. And so God affirms his commitment to the people of Israel, but warns about the consequences of turning away from him. Simple. If he's not protecting you, things are going to happen. That's what he's saying there. If you're not in tune with him, things are going to happen. And again, it's not because he wants them to. It's because you have not kind of done your part of the bargain. And we don't like to hear that. And we talked about a little bit. I'll get into that more about, about individualistics and the collaborative group mindset. But we'll get to that in just a few. But he says, if you do these things, this is going to happen. And we don't like strings to be attached to anything. Because why would a loving God put us in this position in the first place? Yada, yada, yada. All the questions that will probably never be answered Honestly, till we meet him face to face. But the chapter ends 
chapter 7, ends with the people celebrating and expressing gratitude for God's blessing. So they got all excited. Yay, Solomon, you're so cool. You did so many great things. Yeah. And he's like, that's right. Mm, I'm the man. God's the man. You guys, we got this. We're going to make it happen. And they got, and they went home. And then what did they do? Well, they screwed up a lot. <laughs> they messed up all throughout. I mean, we have records of it in Scripture. But did they go home and do nothing? Did they just go home and, yeah? Well, that was cool. Fire came down. Smoke filled the temple. God's here. Next, what do we do now? No. I don't believe they did. I believe what they did was they went home. And they were humbled because of the presence of God. I believe that they prayed. I believe that they seeked his face. And I believe that they turned from their ways. I don't know if you ever remember that. How many ever used to go to a thing called Youth Convention? It was called YC. It was called History Maker. It was called all sorts of weird things um, way down the line. Yeah. So many of us did. Basically, it's a big youth rally. You go on the weekend and you get all jacked up. Usually it's nowadays it's because kids are on Red Bull and Mountain Dew. But um, other than that, they go there and, and, and they have these great moments with God, which are very real. I used, to, I used to run part of it, the stage and all the lighting and the music and all that. People would just get right into it. And lives would be changed. They'd go home, they'd be on fire. They'd be jacked up, ready to rock, ready to be a servant of Jesus Christ. They'd be challenged. And then two months later, this fizzled right out. Why is that? Well, it's because they didn't daily continue seeking God. They had an all-inclusive, intense moment with Jesus, and it was real. There's no doubt. It's real. Because they didn't continue that relationship with him, it fizzled. And they're like, oh, he's not doing the same thing to me. Why? Because they, they work on emotions. There's a lot of chemicals that go on in our body when, we, when something big happens to us. And, and, and we ride that wave. And that's great. And that's fine. And that's we're humans. That's what we do. But there's nothing in place to keep that going. There's no, no, no personal commitment right then and there to in the Word. Now, that doesn't mean everybody didn't do that. Many did. Lots did that. But you come back and, and, and you could physically see a change in, in kids. But then as time went on, they stopped communicating with God. Life got in the way. Problems still at home. There's still problems at home. There's still problems at school. There's still problems here and there in their family. And it didn't necessarily stick fully. And then that feeling went away. Well, you know how I feel about feelings. See what I did there? Uh, feelings uh, can be misplaced. And so sometimes you just got to... Suck it up, buttercup, and move on and, and, and continue the path, even though it's difficult. But we don't like to hear that, so I won't tell you any more of that stuff. But so as we move on, we see that, that they didn't just go home and do nothing. They actually did something about it. So I'd like to ask you the question, why do you think people don't pray? Here's another question. Why do you think you don't pray regularly? Maybe you do, and you're awesome. That's great. I'm glad you got it sorted out. But there are a lot of people that don't. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there are tons of reasons why people don't pray. I think we are disillusioned. I think there are people that um, don't pray because their prayer wasn't answered. Or maybe how it was answered. They just didn't like it. You know what? That's not what I expected, and that's not what I wanted God to do. 
Maybe there's something you're struggling with, like an illness or whatever, and God's just not healing you. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I've prayed about it. People have prayed about it. I've anointed with love, done all these things, but God hasn't, do it, hasn't done it. Is there another perspective you could take from that? There is. But you've got to figure that out. What does that mean? Maybe we're skeptical. We're skeptical. Maybe there's anger in your heart, and you're just... No, I'm not doing it. I'm not praying. He doesn't do anything anyways. He doesn't answer my prayers. See, that's like rubbing a genie lamp, you know, and going, give me my three wishes. Got to watch that mindset. That, that'll bite you in the end. Maybe we're too busy. Nowadays, that's a big one. We're too busy to pray. I don't have 10 minutes for God to sit down and pray. We think, oh, we got to, kneel, we got to do all these things. No. If you make prayer a regular part of your life inside your head regularly, when you're walking around and say, God, hey, can you, that person over there looks like they're struggling. Is there something I need to do? Can I pray for them? Like, how can I do that? I don't have to go over to them, but I can if God wants you to. But if you're in tune and you're paying attention to what's going on right here, because it's not about you, it's about everybody else. If you're focused, you'll know. I admit, that's difficult. When, you, when, when I got deadlines and I got stuff to do and there's family stuff and there's church stuff and there's other stuff, 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 you get distracted. But are we? Are we paying attention on a regular basis? And is our mind in constant prayer? In constant... And when I say prayer, it doesn't mean, okay, let's kneel down here. There's a time for that. But... I'm talking about regularly communing with God in our daily walk and activities. When something happens, we're like, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to go about this? What am I supposed to do now? Um, pray for that person. Pray for that person. Show me what you need to show me today. Are we doing that every day, wherever we go? I have a feeling probably not because we're busy. We've got lots going on. You know, I love coming in here before the service to pray. I sit down. And I close my eyes, and do you know what I hear? Nothing. It's magical. Because then God can speak to me. I took time when I was away to hear nothing. Except maybe the ocean. But I was okay with that. I said, God, I'll accept that. I'll accept that beautiful palm tree. I'll accept, those, I'll, I'll accept everything in your creation, and I'll just listen to it, and you speak to me. And I just soaked it in. We can do that anywhere. It doesn't have to be somewhere fancy. It can be anywhere. There are times in my neighborhood when I'm taking the dog out for a walk. If we stop, I can hear nothing. And I'm like, when is it that you've heard nothing? It allows God to speak to you. But we're so busy. So maybe it's because we're busy. Or maybe it's because we don't know how. We don't know how to pray. And I would suggest to you, without going into that, because not, that's not what we're talking about today, I would suggest to you, it's just like a conversation. Thank him. Appreciate him for all he's done. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saving me. That kind of thing. And then say, show me what you want. What do you want? What do you want? And then thank him. Ask the Holy Spirit to work through you. And you'll notice a difference. You'll see it. You'll feel it. You'll know it. And if you don't feel anything, keep doing it. It's important. We need to do that. But there's so many reasons. And when, when we pray in church as a group, it gives us this, an example of how we are to pray on our own. 
how we thank Him and we worship Him. Like, it's not just speaking. It's worship. Worship is prayer to Him. Corporate worship. And in seeing this example of everyone here and someone praying, it gives us an example of and encourages us how to pray on our own regularly. And then when we come back together and gather, we worship and we pray. And we get involved. The problem is, many times life gets in the way and we stop praying for all the reasons we just talked about. And maybe there's some other ones that we haven't mentioned, but yeah, there's lots of them. You see, when we come together here and there's corporate prayer, it involves all of us joining our hearts together, worshiping and petitioning God together as one unified group. As one unified group. That's pre-service prayer as well. That's why when I said we were going to do pre-service prayer before the service, it's not about you. It's about the community. It's about what God wants you to do, how he wants to reach out, because we talk about ourselves way too much. And so it's time we just focused on our community and what, we need, what God wants us to do there. There is time for us to ask God for things for others and ourselves, but the community and those that need Jesus. And so that corporate prayer, when we join together, it's, it's, a, it's a unified group. The problem of us, many of us just can get in the habit of watching. See, not all of us are exuberant in our worship. That's okay. That's, that's not what we're talking about. You don't have to be um, acting like a wild person here uh, to worship. I'm more of a contemplative thinker when it comes to worship. I like to meditate on things that I've heard or some of the words. I don't always sing when I'm sitting in the service because for me, I like to kind of marinate on some of the concepts that I hear and what God can speak to me through that. I, it's just how I function. It's the way I like it, and, and it works for me. Others are a little more exuberant. Others are a little more vocal. Others are a little more hand-raisy, and, and that's fine. It's, it's all there. It doesn't matter how you do it. The point is, are you doing it? Are you involved? When you go to a hockey game or a show of any kind, are you, you're involved in the group. You don't just go there and you're by yourself. It doesn't matter if you have one ticket. When you go there, you're sitting with everybody. Uh, it, even if you go to a Broadway show or any type of show, um, we were in New York and we went to see a Broadway show and I'm sitting there and everyone is engaged. Everyone. Think when things happen, the group feels it. The group senses it because that's the point of the show is to get you in and to suck you into what's happening in the show and to, to sense it. And everyone's coming together as a, as a group. You might not intermix with everyone, but, but you're a group and you're, and you're focused on that thing. Man, I remember Vancouver Canucks and the St. Louis Blues, it was the final. And my good old boy, Trevor Linden, he was out there. Love that guy. Amazing. And I was watching that team, and it was, I got brought there. Actually, I believe it was by our good friend Jonathan Chapman. He brought me with a whole group of people with his company, and we went. And I didn't even know some of these people, but I went. And this was game seven. Man, they were, Canucks, it was, it was a tie. Went into overtime. And we're all there. And I, I still haven't talked with everybody at, at the event, right? We're just sitting there watching the game. It's intense. It's intense. And they go down, and in the end, Trevor Linden scores the winning goal, and they move on to the next thing. And I'm just like, this is amazing, right? It was everybody jumps up. The place went wild. I'm hugging this guy. I don't even know who this guy is. I'm hugging him, and I'm like, this ain't my team. I didn't. I didn't pay for their team. Like, I'm not a coach. I don't own it. And there were people, strangers are hugging each other because of a bunch of millionaires throwing a rubber puck around. 
It means nothing. But that community and that whole place celebrated one thing, and they all celebrated it for that. And it was amazing. It was a group effort. It was a group effort. It's the same at church. So the real question becomes, how can you move from being a spectator of just watching worship to becoming an actual participant in it? Because we are sometimes always looking for reasons not to be involved. In our scripture today, Solomon has become the king. He's taken the throne. And in verses three, or sorry, chapter 3, 2, 5, Solomon builds the very first temple. And those chapters detail the construction, the furnishing, and the, and the location, the word for the ark and the temple and all that. In chapter 6, Solomon prays for and blesses the people of Israel. In chapter 7, he prays and he dedicates the temple in Israel, the, uh, and it's the house of worship for the people of God. So, so this all comes together. He does that. He prays. Here's the, here's, here's the event. This is where we go to do it for the people of God. But now what do we do? He didn't build the temple for them to come and watch. He built the temple for them to come participate. They had to bring their sacrifices. They had to bring their offerings. They had to bring their prayers and their worship. So how do we move from a spectator who doesn't bring anything to bringing something to the table for the corporate. Well, first of all, you need to recognize the very importance of prayer, of unified prayer. Unified prayer. The Bible, sometimes we see people, groups of people praying, and other times we see individuals praying, and yet there's this other area where they're praying during worship, and this is seen in Second. Chronicles. Solomon is praying in a way that is similar to that of a priest. And Israel is present praying with him in agreement. It's similar to our corporate prayers in church when we stand up here and we pray and we all bow our heads and someone up here says a prayer and we all go, yep, amen, so be it. That's corporate prayer and it's in a group setting. It's unified prayer. And unified prayer harnesses the power of the collective. The collective. And it cultivates unity within our community. Now, I said something there. I said it harnesses the power of the collective. This isn't some Marvel movie, you know, it's not some weird mystical thing. It's the body of Christ, the collective. I don't know if you remember last week, I mentioned something about how New Testament times, New Testament structure, or sorry, Old Testament structure and part of New Testament, yes, but where it was focused was there was a patriarch, and that patriarch took care of the collective. And I also mentioned that there were sometimes strings attached, and that those are good strings because the patriarch is taking care of the collective. And so there are things that the collective brings to the patriarch, and the patriarch therefore does things for the collective. That's not a bad string that's attached when we're talking about the creator of the universe and God. He's saying to them, listen, love me, serve me, do these things. 
and I'll take care of the collective. Pretty simple. We miss it. We don't understand. When somebody's hurting in here, we help. The collective. That's the whole point of going to church, is for the collective to grow. We forget. We forget that it's not about us individually. It's not. It's the collective. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with worrying about you and doing your thing or whatever, but if that's the first go-to, if it's not Jesus, others, then you, we got a problem. And obviously there's boundaries involved in all that, and let's not unpack that right now. But it's the collective. And so, so when, when you are thinking about, understand that, that this unified prayer reflects the body of Christ and, and taking care of this life it, it, as it functions in one unit. You've heard many times people talk about the body of Christ and how um, everyone has a gifting and everyone has a part and everyone plays a different part. Would the eye say to the little and not do that? Don't do that, right? They, everything has a reason for doing it. Yes. That's what I'm talking The collective, the body of Christ. Do you see how the Old Testament connects with the body of Christ? The collective, the patriarch, collecting, taking care of all. And then Jesus Christ says, you're all part of the body of Christ. You all, Jesus is the head. You are the rest. Collectively, not individually. If my arms started doing this while I'm talking all the time, we've got a problem. There's other issues. Well, I'm sure there is, but that's another test I'm doing next week, so leave me alone. I just love how the Old Testament and the New Testament, the words of Jesus Christ, and how, how everything throughout Scripture just connects so well, and we miss it. We miss it because we're just so caught up in so many other things. i just making sure I'm not, oh yeah. Oops, going a little long, but I was excited. Um, so the collective, unified prayer, all of this, it comes together and we need to do that. And how do we do it? We do it by serving. We do it by devotions. We do it by lifestyle. And it demonstrates it is humility and submission to God. When our values align with our actions and God's purposes, that's when we make a difference individually as well as collectively. Second reason, how do we move from spectator to participant? We experience that presence of God in corporate prayer. When we worship this morning, did you experience it? Did you feel God speaking to you? And did he speak to you about anything in particular? You've got to be listening. You've got to be paying attention. Solomon begins his prayer with a question in uh, chapter 6, verse 18. He says, but will God indeed dwell with man on the earth? It and then he describes his relationship between God and Israel in which God is present. He hears them. He sees them. He's doing things for them, and he's responding. So for Solomon, God dwelling on earth meant that God had not just taken up residence, but he entered into a relationship with the people among who he was uh, living with. And so God wants a relationship with you, and the only way you have that is through prayer, individually and corporately as the collective. So we move from spectator to participant because we believe in corporate prayer, taking care of each other and... Um, experience his presence. And the third way we move from spectator to participant is we actually do it. We actually make it happen. It's, it's all about action. 
It is all about action. We can talk all day long. You know, one thing, I, I, I'm not a huge meeting guy, and I do go to meetings, and we have meetings, and that's fine. I'm not a big meeting person because I'm, I, 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 can we just do it? Can we stop talking about it and make it happen? Can we just go? And that's actually sometimes, for me, you know, if we really want to get personal and deep here, it's a problem. Because I, I can sometimes, yeah, I like it. Let's make it happen. Let's go. That's just my personality. I do need people to kind of say, hey, well, let's look at all factors. But in my mind, I've already looked at all the factors. I've already figured it out. Decision is made. Bang. I know the positives. I know the negatives. You can't tell me any more than I know that will change my mind. Let's move forward. We need to act. We need to act. We can't wait. We can't keep talking about things. We need to act. Man, back in my day, I don't know if you remember these guys, but um, DC talk, love is a verb. You know what? Everything's a verb. Do it. Just make it happen. Make your life a verb. Stop worrying about who you are, what you're doing, and where you're going. Just do it. Make it happen. There's a reason why Nike used that, because it was gold. But we need to act. We need to stop waiting. We can talk all day long. But man, when God is here, and he demonstrated his presence with fire in the temple, and he was there, and he's saying, I'm here, let's go, let's make this happen. God will hear your prayers. And the whole other area we're going to go into, but he... he, he he doesn't necessarily answer the way you want. There's a perspective there that you don't see and ask him to help you see it. That's the only advice I can give you, honestly. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what angle he's coming from. Give the perspective. That's, that's all I can do because he does what he wants, and I'm okay with that. But it's like, recognize. I don't tell him what to do. I can ask, but he doesn't have to listen. It can be so easy to attend church and think that it's okay to not participate as long as other people are. Well, that's okay. They got this. They got the corporate worship. God, you're good? You got them? All right. I'm going to stand back. I'll just, I'll check the perimeter. I'll make sure everything's okay on the outside. God, they'll worry about the rest on the inside. It's very easy to do that. But corporate prayer is about everyone praying, even if one person is speaking or one person is singing. That's what corporate prayer is. I don't know if, you're, if you know the movie Elf, and uh, you might hate it, that's fine. But the point is, at the very end of the show, they're trying to get everybody to sing so that Santa can get all the power to his sleigh and take off and fly. All right? Sorry, this is like not theology. And, uh, <laughs> and there's one guy in the background, the dad of the son, who's trying to get all this stuff going, who is just mouthing the words of Santa Claus is coming to town, or whatever the song is. And the kid gets mad at him, and as soon as he engages Santa's sleigh, take, I can't believe this is even my illustration. But, <laughs> I just want to whack. But it's so good, right? It makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, he's in the back, and as soon as he sings Santa's sleigh takes off, he gets the boost of power, and there you go. Christmas is saved, thanks to this guy singing. The point is he's involved. He gets involved. At first he doesn't want to, and then he does. He engages, and what happens when he engages with the collective, everything starts to happen, and it's the same for you. If you engage when you engage, and this is where I'm going to be an individualistic Westerner right now, when you you personally, forget everybody else, engages, 
You make a difference. That's why we need you. The body of Christ needs you. And then collectively it works, right? That's, That's how it is. If one person is holding back, it impacts others. That's why scripture says if one of the parts of the body is sick, this is New Testament, this ain't me, I didn't write this. If, if one of the body parts is sick, everything else rushes. Have you ever stubbed your toe? Does everything go to the toe? Yes, everything focuses on the toe. If I get a paper cut right here, Michelle says I'm a big baby. If I get a paper cut, and it can be lethal. Um, if I get a paper cut, what does it do? Throbs, hurts. I sweat. I can't handle it anymore. It's deep, thick paper. Sorry, guys. I use thick paper. But it cuts, and everything focuses in on that. Why? Because that's the collective focusing in on the individual to help as a collective. Yeah. Man, you know, this is so good. Uh, I hope you're having fun because I, I, I love it. It makes so much sense. So if you're a participant... You're in. You're helping. You're contributing. You're, you're. <laughs> no. So, a spectator enjoys watching the game, but has nothing to do with the outcome. Nothing to do with it. The, that hockey game I was at, I had nothing to do with it. I mean, yeah, I was cheering, but I, I wasn't on the ice. But I celebrated with them. In church, you're a participant, and you do impact the game. You do impact how people view Christianity. You do impact how people view this place, this weird place behind glass doors that nobody knows what goes on inside. They used to have wooden doors in the front way back in the day. I'm dating myself. And those doors were closed, and people thought there were no corners in the building because Satan would corner you. Like, people don't know what happens in here, my friends. Right? We think it's funny, but don't have corners because it's because it looks round, right? And so Satan can't corner you. That's what people think. We've had people come in this building and, and think, oh, somebody told me that there were demons in your wood paneling. And I'm like, well, they are from the 70s. So, yeah, it's very possible. It's like, it's like what are you talking about? So, man, people need to see what we're about. And, it's, and, and when we're behind these doors, they don't know what goes on. And for, for you to not be that example in your community and where you are and where you work and where you vacation and where you just go to the store. Man, if we're not that example, we're a problem. And trust me, things from the past will come and bite you, that's for sure. And um, we've got to be the right example. So, the spectator watches. We're not called to watch. We're not called to watch. It doesn't say, love God and watch your neighbor from afar with binoculars. It doesn't say that. It says, love God. Love your neighbor. It's an action word. We need to do something about it. In every aspect of worship, we are called to be active. And that includes meditation, devotions, service. Man, get involved. There's a kid's thing coming up next week. Get involved. Talk to Pastor Carol Lee. Service. That's worship. When you serve, it's worship. It's not because we're, we're so cheap we don't want to pay anybody. It's because you need to serve. You need to serve. It's just the way it goes. You have to serve. Um, and prayer. These are all verbs. These are all action words. To participate is to be actively involved in the outcome of the game. If you forget everything I've said today, including the Santa thing, forget the Santa thing. Um, realize a participant is actively involved in the outcome of the game. You are a game player individually for the collective, and that collective is an example. And when you go out there and you witness and you act, 
the way you're supposed to act. It, it, it's, it's an example of Jesus Christ. You are emulating him in ways you have no way. You don't even know, even if you don't say anything. And so for you today, when you leave, what's your choice? Are you going to go through the week and just be a spectator? Or are you going to be a participant? When it comes to worship, when it comes to prayer, we choose to either be one or the other. Be a participant. Be a verb. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to be an example of him everywhere we go, no matter what we do, no matter how we act. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we mess up. But help us to rebound from that and get back into the game and be that example so that others may understand who you are and how you can change their life for the good. Thank you for corporate prayer. Thank you for the collective. Thank you for the, the body of Christ. Help us individually contribute to that so that you can be the head and that you can be glorified. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you. There's an extra jewel in your crown for staying just a little bit later, and we will see you next Sunday.